0: We're gonna do a little mind reading. I know, I know what you're thinking. Is it real? No. However, we're gonna do a little mind reading. So uh, let's. This is gonna be good. Let's gonna be good. Hello, ma'am. What is your name? Is it Liz? That is correct.
1: Welcome to the Laugh All Night Green Room. I'm your host, Tim Detellus. And today in the Green Room, we welcome comedian and illusionist Scott Humston. He's an all around great family guy, amazing dad and husband, but he's got some tricks up his sleeve. We're going to learn about those today on this episode of the Laugh All Night Green Room. It's great to have Scott Humston here in the Green Room today. Scott, how are you? I am good. Thanks, Tim. Well, it's great to chat some about kind of comedy, uh, not only your life as a comedian, but life as a dad and a husband. And, you know, when you're sitting in the green room, you kind of get the you know behind the scenes story of the person that people see and enjoy on stage. I wanted to kick things off, Scott, and just kind of see if there's um, kind of something about you that some people may not know about you kind of want to share with us today.
2: (laughs) Although I love to laugh and have a good time. I take what I do seriously and sometimes that's probably not a good thing, but kept me working for 25 years. I always kind of laugh about it when I think about it, even before the event starts till after it's over. I just wanted to to go well and be professional and I'll digress for a minute. I read a book that was really transformative for me in college called Addicted to Mediocracy by Frankie Schaefer. Francis Schaefer is a very popular writer, 60s and 70s and Christian writer and his son, Frankie, wrote a book again called Addicted to Mediocracy, Christianity and the Art and it was just so good. I remember calling my theater professor at night, and this is of course, before cell phones, you know, I called it from my dorm phone to his house phone. And he honestly thought I was been drunk or something, like, cause I called him because I was so ecstatic about this book. It was a small book. It underlined the thinking that I already knew that if we're going to be doing something that represents the creator of the universe, good grief, how it should be the absolute best it could possibly be. I, I think that's probably underlying why I take what I
1: uh, do seriously and want it to be just the best it could possibly be. And I have seen that with you, Scott. I know we did an event at your church, although I've done many events with you on the road. And I was there with you early to kind of get things set up because it was in your own venue. And it is true. You definitely were dialed in and I saw you from a different perspective, which was, Hey, everything matters, not just the stage time, but I think that helps make the event better. It really does. Liz, we're going to do a little minding, Miss
0: Liz. Are you ready? Clear your mind. That was fast. Liz, we didn't prearrange this, right? We didn't, you, had no, you don't know who I am, okay? Are you the right Liz? Okay, here we go. <laughs> Liz, I want you to clear your mind and I want you to think of an image, a static image of any kind, an image from a movie or a book or a TV show, anything like that. Just picture the image in your mind. Do it now. Send me your thought. Don't say it out loud. Send me your thoughts. Good. All right. Good, good. You got it? Keep sending it, Liz. Got it? This is crazy. Good. All right. Yep, 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 yep. Ooh, really? All right. So, Liz, I got an image of like a man, right? But no ordinary man, right? He's like half man or half goat or something. I don't know what's going on. He's got like goat legs and like high top, like Chuck Taylor, the old kind, the converse, right? And he's got stars, he's got like a vest on and he's got like a goatee, right? And, oh, a goatee, I just made that up. Anyhow, and, uh, and he's, like, he's like standing in front of a house, right, Liz? Is that right? And, and the, the house is like kind of right behind him, not right behind him, but like in the distance behind him. And there's like a lady uh, on the porch and she's like shaking her finger like, you better not stay out late tonight, Paul. And... um. Is that the image that you're thinking of? Yes or no? No, you're absolutely right. No! 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 Hi, high mom five! High, five, high five.
1: When it came to comedy and magic and being an illusionist, how did you get your start? I got tricked into it. No way. But <laughs> I'm
2: <laughs> I was waiting for that. I was born at a very young age. Um, <laughs> I was born with a cleft lip and palate, and so uh, a lot of surgeries when I was a kid. Didn't play sports, was a s- small kid, not uh, very athletic at all. And uh, my mom and dad didn't really want me doing any kind of sports because they didn't want a ball hitting me in the face. And after, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of surgeries and speech classes and all that kind of thing, and it made sense. We had a guy come to my church. My dad was a pastor, and he did magic. His name was Clyde Serrett. That's my first exposure to magic tricks was in church, which is interesting because, you know, through the years, some people have, oh, it's a magician in church. What's that about? You know, one of the terms is gospel magic. I don't like that term, but, you know, using magic tricks to convey um, messages or to get people's attention, which is a great thing. I mean, Christ used parables, and that's what people understood. He taught by telling stories. and yeah. My mom always used to tell people that I was the kind of kid that would sell Cheerios as donut seeds door to door. I don't know. I guess that's a compliment. I don't know. <laughs> but magic was just a, it was a way for me to be who I really wanted to be. My dad passed it about a year ago. But one of my favorite stories from my dad is I had this brochure made. When I was in uh, junior high school, early high school, you know, I was anywhere from 13 to 15, probably. And it was uh, said comedy magic by you know, Scott Helmston, had all these drawings on it. And it was a professional piece that I used and, you know, put my name on it. And I showed it to my dad and he, <laughs> he looked at it and goes, this looks really good, but do you think you're really that funny? Which I love that. I, I love that. Thinking back on that, I was like, okay, well, maybe not, but uh, loving to laugh with people.
1: Well, that's actually a, a great question that your dad asked, because most people don't realize that the performer who takes the stage goes through a lot of rehearsal, practice, prep, and even really testing stuff out on audiences and to gather content and material. What have been some of your favorite comedy writing routines or magician learning techniques? I think as a as a young man, being able to take existing routines
2: that somebody writes, you know, that you can buy a magic trick from a magic shop or online and comes with lines to use. You can buy books on comedy and, you know, one liners and those sorts of things. But I think being able to take that and make it your own. There's a lot of classic lines I like to use and I think I've changed them enough that they feel comfortable, they don't feel like I'm just reciting a line. And then really just watching comedians, watching how they work, watching how they speak. They're mannerisms and early on uh, I, I got an xm satellite radio in my car because i was you know touring so much and i thought that was the greatest invention ever satellite radio because you never had to worry about the station going in and out on a, on a road trip and i remember i got that installed in jackson tennessee from the best buy i was there playing a bunch of shows and was like oh wow this is fantastic you know but and of course there's comedy channels on xm and and some of them are appropriate and uh and those are ones you need know, to just listen to on the road hours of that just hearing what makes people laugh, what the audience response is. And, and of course, a lot of comedians just have a lot of personal issues. <laughs> and that's where the comedy comes from. There's so many times this deep hurt or a deep, a deep wound, maybe. I don't know. In my case, that's quite it. I just like to laugh.
1: I noticed on the road with you, you know, when you're sitting in the green room preparing for the stage, that you have definitely kind of an interesting act, most comedians are either doing stand-up, some may have an instrument, but you have so many other tools and resources at your disposal as an illusionist. What's going through your mind before you take the stage? By the way, we call that in my house, we call that show
2: mode. Oh, really? Show mode? Yeah. And if I'm backstage and in show mode, my kids know not to really talk to me, not just to just chatter with me. My wife knows not to ask any questions or talk about anything just because I guess what I'm focusing on at that point, but just making sure I'm going over stuff in my mind, making sure I've got any props I'm going to use or in the right spot. Usually I get all that set ahead of time. And there is a moment I can relax, but I was just listening to a comedian talk the other day about, I think it was Brian Regan actually, who said, you know, about the butterflies in your stomach, you know, and basically if you don't have those there, like it's not going to be as good. In other words, that's the energy that you use. And people say, do you get nervous? I don't really get nervous at all. Any of that nervous energy, you might call it or butterflies or whatever. I really funnel that to an energy that you need on stage. If there's somebody on before me listening to the audience, what they're doing, you know, how they're reacting, that sort of thing.
1: In that show mode, do you find that you get to visually rehearse? Like You kind of see yourself going through the process of picking up a certain item or do you visualize much or is it more just trying to memorize the order in which you're set listening? is gonna go. I normally will visualize
2: before I even get to the event while I'm driving there or even the day before, the night before, especially if it's a larger event, you know, that I'm more concerned about as far as hey, I want it to go, you know, super right or there's gonna be a lot of tech stuff, you know, it's out of my control, that kind of thing. I do visualize that. I do run through that. I think that's really important. In the show mode, I, I guess I'm more just, just focusing what I'm gonna say again, the set list and Try not to forget stuff because, you know, you get off stage, you go, ah oh, that's one of my favorite lines and I forgot to say it.
1: That's neat. I always find when I take the stage or if we're doing an event, I'm always concerned about time. How's everyone going to get done at that time frame, right? Because, I mean, that's that can be stressful going, oh, my gosh, the audience is on fire and I don't want to let that go, right? You want to keep on keeping on.
2: Boy, there is a fine point in Any performance, any stage time, even in a church service, there is a fine point between too much and too little. As a professional, that's when you learn to read the audience and go, okay, you know, I I need to close this out now, or they're with me. And some guys will, or ladies for that matter, will go, oh, they're with me, you know, and they'll keep riding that train until the audience isn't with them anymore, leaving them wanting a little bit more. Is a is a very difficult thing from an ego point of view.
1: And I was thinking of that exact line because I had a mentor tell me years ago. You always want to leave people wanting more. It's like going to a great restaurant. If you're too full, you kind of start feeling icky, you know? And that's a fine line. I've I've found for me there's a sweet spot um, as far
2: as performance time and that sort of thing that works well. Many times I'm, you know, I'm doing comedy magic and then moving into a message and sometimes even a a call response with the gospel. So trying to manage all of that, you know, to make sure people aren't worn out, you know?
1: Yeah, you have a definite deep and wide Breath of um, talent and skill because, you know, it's not just stand-up comedy, it's also doing magic tricks, it's speaking. I've seen you in the environment of working with kids. Uh, you have an amazing ability to engage people, Scott, which I find to be just a unique talent. So I, I just commend you for that. Thank you. You're welcome. When you reflect back on your many years, because you have been doing this not for a week or a month. <laughs> Certainly not the last year. So. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs>
0: magicians do tricks will leave the miracles tough to God so here's the deal I will show you the trick the way it's supposed to be done right when I'm all finished I'll take a big bow like this when I take a big bow like this you give me lots of applause and you say wow Scott that was amazing I'll teach you how to do the trick deal yeah. all right in order to do this you need something where is it at? aha you need this it's a red handkerchief it does not matter what color it is as long as it's red so you take the red handkerchief just like so Make a fist with the other hand Push the red handkerchief Watch closely, Liz Push the red handkerchief inside Are you still here, Paul? (laughs) You push the red handkerchief All the way inside the top of the left fist Just like that Snap your fingers Say the magic words, please, and Thank you We have some homeschoolers here Good (laughs) The red handkerchief disappears It's gone Ta-da! An egg appears. What? I know, right? And the red handkerchief reappears in the pocket, and the applause is amazing. Please don't. Please don't stop.
1: In reflection, has there been maybe a mistake or a lesson that you found that made you better?
2: Better as a performer or better as a person? Or, or
1: It could be either way. It could be as a performer or as a person, but something, a mistake that happened on the road that really kind of taught you something. Uh boy, yeah, there's so many... <laughs>
2: What what is that? What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. You know, I don't, I, uh, <laughs> I like that quote, but it's true in many ways. I used to do a, a bit. I would have somebody clear their mind. You know, like I'm going to read their mind, it's, and it's all silly. I would say to the guy, "Who's Janice?" Right? And they would get a laugh, like you know, right. he's thinking about somebody named Janice. One of my very best magician friends, very professional, been around forever, super performer. He lives in Nashville, and this was actually up north of Nashville at a church. And he saw me do that, and he got a laugh, you know. And afterwards, we were talking, and he said, Have you ever had somebody pick a card, and it was the exact card that you wanted them to pick? Like it was one of those moments where it happened, you know, just coincidence, right? Mm -hmm. I go, Yeah. He goes, Well, someday you're going to do that joke about who's Janice, and you're going to hit on something that happened in that person's life that you have no idea about. This guy's wife is going to look at him. You're going to cause a riff there that you didn't mean to cause. Do you want that to happen? Well, absolutely not. So I took it out immediately. Comedians would call it a cheap laugh. I didn't mean for it to be that. I wasn't doing it to be mean at all. But as you look into it, you go, yeah, you know, he's right. I don't want that one in a million chance to happen. And it will happen at some point. There's so many lessons like that. And it's not about being politically correct. It's just a matter of respecting my audience at that point for me. Sure. I didn't see that, but somebody else saw that and that's probably going to happen and I don't want it to happen.
1: Some of the questions I like to ask our guest Scott, are these three questions. I'm going to ask all three of them at once and then we can go back and answer each of them, which is um, what is your favorite candy or snack, uh, your favorite destination in the USA, and then your favorite amusement park ride. So (laughs) let's dive in with Scott, what's your favorite candy or snack? I grew up with a mom
2: who was the number one Shackley vitamin distributor in the state of Florida. Oh my gosh. The only time we ever got a new car, you know, as a kid, my dad was a pastor. we never owned new cars. Shackley gave my mom a new car. Wow. She got to pick out the colors. It was a big old Cutlass Cadillac. I mean, not Cadillac, Cutlass Supreme. Yes. Station wagon thing. Oh, wow. You know, this big old station wagon and it was brand new. She got that from Shackley. So I grew up with no sugar cereals, no snacks. And I will tell you to this day, my mom, who's 77 years old, she's on no medications. And so I am not a snacky person. However, that being said, I do have my desk right here, have uh, shortbread cookies that I just went down and got uh, to, to snack on. Those are the buttery ones, aren't they? Yeah, the kind of the UK kind of a thing. Yeah, so I do, I do like those. Do you like them with a tea or a coffee? I do like British tea. I have a hard time duplicating it here. I think it's the milk huh. and the water. I was at a conference speaking right before COVID. We were in the UK while it all started in February of 2020, and I just love the fact that this conference every day at four, tea and cookies would be put out. <laughs> all of these grownups would just stop and whatever we were doing. And this was a professional conference. I just loved it. I was like, my wife was with me. She goes, this is great. I could do this every day.
1: Are you all start in that routine at home. It's like, it's three o'clock.
2: We try. Unfortunately, I've got that American work ethic in me that I don't stop.
1: For the USA, what about a favorite destination in the USA for you? I am so
2: blessed to have traveled so much. Man, alive. I really... I don't know that I have a favorite place. There's so many favorite places. I, honestly, there is. And a lot of my friends, you know, when they're going somewhere, they'll call me or text me, where should I eat here? <laughs> what should I do here? Which I love. A lot of the places I go to over and over again. But one of the places I've only been to once and I cannot wait to go back is Sedona, Arizona. I guess being from the East Coast, anything out West, I love Montana, Wyoming. Favorite amusement park ride. Do you have one? That's such a good question. I used to love the teacups Okay, at the Magic Kingdom. I grew up riding those teacups and then to take my kids on those teacups. And then just after I turned 40, uh, I got off the teacups and I had like vertigo or something the rest of the day. Like, wow, I cannot ride them anymore. So that was kind of bittersweet. And I've tried it since, like, nope, literally, like, the rest of the day was shot. I, I think as far as just pure enjoyment of a ride, and it would be Soarin' at Epcot. Basically, you're in this glider thing, and there's, like, three levels. And if you've ever been to an IMAX movie, like, the way you this is, yes. giant screen, they basically took an IMAX movie and turned it underneath you. You're on this thing that moves up, and you look down and all around you, and so you're above... Wow. Where you're not just watching too You're wind blowing on you And they when you fly through the orange groves You know, you smell oranges And it's just one of those immersive rides you're like, wow, that's,
1: that's pretty great I remember one point on it It's like I actually lost my breath Because it's like you're flying off the edge of a mountain Yeah, I know, it's, it's pretty intense Are you, sir, in the blue shirt?
0: Yes, sir, young man, come forward And uh, we need a young lady to help him out We got a young lady right over here Would you help too? Come on, clap loud for these two They're coming this way we gotta, We're going to go this way it makes the show look bigger. What's your name? Caden. Caden. Are you coming back? I didn't get up and leave when you walked in. All right. I'm just messing with you. He's coming back. It's my brother. So, I have no idea who that is. Caden, um, stand right over here. Caden, Caden. And your name? Caden. Hey, stay right there. We did not set this up. I promise you. What is your name? Hayden. What is your name? Caden. Booyah! We didn't set this up, did we? How old are you? Nine. You had to think about it, didn't you? When you get old, the first thing to go is your... Never mind. You look very lovely tonight. How old are you? You missed it. They're both nine. uh, Hayden and Caden, pretty weird. You guys know each other? No. Would you like to meet? Okay. Now, let me introduce you. You can be friends. You can be friends for this. This is a good trick. You can be friends. Hayden, this is Caden. He's nine, quite a man. Come on, Caden. Easy. Easy, Seabiscuit. We're in a Baptist church. You're okay until you lifted up one leg. That's all I'm saying.
1: Well, Scott, I've enjoyed hanging out with you in the green room today. But um, before we do close out, I, I want to take a moment and let you just kind of share I know there's a deep passion in your life for your family. You have uh, an amazing wife and great kids. And also you mentioned in the beginning of the interview talking about how you take what you do seriously in your calling and you love serving churches with comedy and magic for families. And so any kind of final parting thoughts you'd like to share with us kind of from the sitting in the green room with Scott, this is what we want to remember about you. If you want to connect with somebody,
2: Bring them joy. There is nothing in this world that people appreciate more than smiling and laughing. When you can laugh with someone, there's an instant bond and trust there. Pastors don't have to be professional comedians and go on the platform and tell jokes every week, but they do have to endear themselves to the people listening to them. And this is a change in our culture for the better, in American church culture in the last 40 years. And that is the people listening to that pastor, that speaker, there has to be some empathy there both ways. And they have to understand that this guy cares about them when they understand that. And there's that, and in theater, we call a cathartic moment, that moment where you forget that you're watching something. Mm -hmm. People forget for a moment where they are, what they're doing, and they're really embracing those words that they're hearing. And laughter and joy makes that happen so much quicker. And I'm just glad I'm able to use that as a tool to to connect with people
1: well you're doing a fabulous job scott and i appreciate your dedication to your craft i also just admire you as a family man a dad a husband and just thankful that we're enjoying some time on the road with the laugh all night tour yeah it's a lot of fun thankful for your friendship absolutely thanks tim very much yeah thanks for hanging out today you're more than welcome thanks for listening to the laugh all night green room I'm your host, Tim Detellis, and stay tuned for future episodes with comedians that are on tour with Laugh All Night, coming to a city near you. For upcoming shows and events, visit LaughAllNight.com and follow us at Laugh All Night on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and we will keep the comedy coming your way.